Hello and welcome to You Made Me Watch That, where two film studies professors aim to expand each other's cinematic knowledge one recommendation at a time. I am your co-host, Colleen Kennedy-Karpat. And I am your co-host, Wickham Catesby Flanagan. This episode, we are discussing the work of director Michael Haneke, focusing on my recommendation, Cachet. And my recommendation, Funny Games, either version but uh, you specifically watched the original. I watched the German language original. 1997. Okay. 1997. It's available currently on Mubi. And Are both versions available? On no. Mubi? Cache is also. Cache is also available on Mubi. They have they have a special Haneke retrospective. So that's part of what inspired this decision. But honestly, Wickham, I cannot believe. You made me watch that. <laughs> you made me watch that. It's very really, much yeah, in its milieu. We are, we are leaning into the title very much with this one, because if it weren't for this podcast, I would have shut it down about 20 minutes in. 20 minutes in? Nothing has yeah. happened. I think the dog Shh. fell out of the car. Oh, and you, and were, it's like you I were over with see it. Where I, I mean, I have read about funny games for yeah. years. And again, since I do adaptation and remake studies and things like that, this is a big yes. text in remake studies precisely because Haneke did his own. Yes. And I thought that would be enough to make me go, okay, I'll watch this and then I'll want to watch the second one. And I didn't even want to finish the first one. And I thought, I... I know what he's doing with this. And what I finished what? the film and I thought, I still know what he's doing with this. None of this is surprising. There is nothing I am getting from this film that is from the film and not that, that couldn't be said in the reviews to the film, which I had read. So yeah, I, but I don't feel like the film adds anything but to it's, the concept. It's all about the experience. The fact that you are you are miserable while you're experiencing it is part of what you get out of it. Well, it's... I believe it was a quote from Haneke himself in one of these reviews that I read, Okay, where he said, if you walk out of this film, that means you don't need it. If you stay till the end, you need it. And hopefully you understand what the message is. And somehow he didn't talk about what happens when you dress up as these two guys for <laughs> Halloween, which happens to some people who watch this film. It's a very cheap Halloween costume, first of all. Um, yes, I did do that. I dressed up as one of the, I don't know which one, Peter, is it Paul and Peter? Beavis and Butthead. Beavis and Butthead, Tom and Jerry. Point. Yeah. They refer to themselves. Yes. Yes, I did. Do you, you have a problem with that? I, I am simply reconsidering <laughs> all of my life choices that led to this podcast with this fact in my head. Can I give a fun anecdote about uh, love in relation to funny games. Please. So Aleb told me not to say this, um, but I had <laughs> so, a golf yeah. ball. So I dressed up in the polo shirt and I had the Converse shoes. I did not have the right white gloves. Okay. Which I'm is wearing a, my Converse's today. Nice. That was entirely accidental. Representing, you're, you're well, representing the it's killers. It's gotten into my psyche. What can I say? I don't understand. And I had the golf ball and I had the white gloves and like a toy, a toy golf club. So it wasn't really threatening. And, uh, and, Alev drove me home from like the Halloween party because I was I couldn't drive. And and later that day or the next day, the golf ball rolled into the <laughs> to the front of the seat and mm -hmm. she freaked out. She completely freaked out. But then ironically, she went, oh, yeah, that guy, because we were not really we weren't dating or anything at the time. 
So in, inadvertently, the horror of the golf ball rolling made her think of me in a, in a new way. And that's what led us to get married and have Atlas and everything worked out wonderfully. So Funny Games brings people together, Colleen. It, br- <laughs> it brings communities and people together. Um, I do think, though, that once you've turned off the movie, you've won. You, you've beaten it, you know? Like, there's this whole thing of, like, you are complicit in this because yeah. you're watching it. I started answering emails. Does that mean I won? No. No. You you were... <laughs> I've you, simply betrayed you the retreat, You retreated. <laughs> I yes. did. I, I will admit to this. I... I you there's messaged no way me. That film is, yeah, I did. You messaged me, and I thought, okay, something must have happened because you messaged me something like, "Why what, do I have to watch the next one?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is enough. Isn't this enough? And that was when a certain person gets shot. That right? was the that was the ten minute shot or like yes. a ten minute long take. Yes, that was more upsetting. Now that I have had a child, um, but I have a very interesting perspective on this because I saw the remake first. And this was actually for this podcast. This was the first time I saw the original. And I know this is going to sound weird because the whole premise of Funny Games is this sort of meta indictment of violence in movies, right? I did find it funny that apparently Haneke would specifically reference people like Quentin Tarantino (laughs) as sort of the inspiration behind this, this indictment. Maybe that's the Tim Roth connection, perhaps. I maybe he's in the remake. Oh yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't. I I didn't see the remake, so I did not put that. There was together, a bunch of yeah, that's, lovely uh, German people, right? Yes, German yeah. actors primarily. Primarily German actors, all most of whom, if not all of whom, came from television. Um, which so did Haneke. I discovered he had mostly been a television director, and oh. it was really with Funny Games that he sort of managed to make his way into feature films, where he has since stayed and really, you know been a darling of the festival circuit for other reasons and i mean i this is just to me this is a thesis film he has a thesis about media violence and he's going to put it in the film but that's why like to me just if you write down the thesis you don't really need you you can nod your head and go yes okay that that's a perfectly valid thesis and i I don't think that there's anything. There are there are other bits in the film that I guess you can get. Like the, the opening sequence with the car. Yes. Really reminded me of O.J. Simpson. Oh yeah. yeah that's yeah. and you're not of that generation. No, but, but I know I know that shot. Very yeah, yeah. famous. Yeah. I mean, so much of that just comes from that. The helicopter. Of, oh, yes, the helicopter car, shot of yeah. this car sort of leisurely going. On. It's so. There's this element of surveillance and. and you're playing with diegetic and non-diegetic yes. music. Yes. Probably one of the best opening credit sequences. Yeah. In terms of just being ironically yes. full of itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are moments in this film that are really quite well done. But the point of the film as a whole, you don't really need the film to express and it. And what is the point of the film? Uh, <laughs> sadism. I sadism? Think. I mean, it's just, it is. It's putting the audience through what he thinks that horror audiences in particular, audiences that want this mediated horror spectacle. He's sort of putting them through something that he thinks that they want and basically asking at the end, well, okay, are you satisfied? And the answer is no, because he also refuses certain pleasures that come from that mediation of violence. You never really see the violence. You never see the... exactly. The actual violence takes place off screen. Yes. But the way that he removes it from the screen also basically 
at one point literally winks at the audience. Yes. And that brings wink them in. Is not in the remake. There's a lot of weird, subtle changes that I think are fascinating. Um, for one thing, and having now watched the original, because this is going to sound very unsettling, the remake I think actually has is sort of fun in some key ways that are radically not fun in the original. And I don't, and I've, so it feels like the thesis, it, I don't know if his intention is to be entertaining in any way, shape or form. Cause it is this kind of nihilistic slog yeah. by design. Mm -hmm. um, but certainly with the German family, I am immediately more invested in them uh, 100% because I don't, the performances are a little different. I, I don't think Tim Roth is like bad. I think Naomi Watts is actually pretty equivalent because it's a lot to do with her eyes and the uh, Susanna Lothar. Both of them have very prominent kind of eyes that kind of register the grief and sort of the exhaustion of their, their torture emotionally and otherwise. Um, but Tim Roth, I don't know. He didn't really leave that much of an impression. There's a part during that 10-minute shot when the dad like cries. Yeah breaks down that i i just it was that will haunt me now forever it was incredibly moving of just like a guttural yeah. performance and then after that he's just sort of drained but yeah. his whole his whole performance i found more riveting and so i think with the the original it's almost too real the the meta nature of it the thesis that you as you put it loses a bit of itself because you are you're so kind of moved or at least disturbed more so by the actions that are being performed with the remake weirdly maybe because it's a remake uh, i'm going to go on a bit of a nerdy tangent here colleen if i can it's your podcast i understand well it's our podcast <laughs> you have to accept my nerdy tangent I just, um it's there, reciprocal it's all right there is a video game franchise called final fantasy have you ever heard of Final Fantasy? I, I I was born in 1980. Yes, I've heard of Final Fantasy. Okay, it's it, there's there's several of them. I think they're like at 16 now or yeah, something. Yeah, at 17, if not that. It's yeah. it's crazy yeah. how many Final Fantasy mm -hmm. games, and they all sort of have you know, uh, you know, it's very Japanese influence, very sort of anime character mm -hmm. design. They're one of the most prominent ones because it featured kind of 3D rendered CGI, early CGI uh, cutscenes. Was Final Fantasy VII. This came out all like the only PlayStation. I never played it. I never. I didn't own the system, um, and it. But it because it had this kind of emotional story, and it was very technologically advanced, and other reasons, people loved that game. It gained this incredible following. Um, they recently remade it, and it's called the Final Fantasy VII Remake. What? And I played that. <laughs> and it's very, very good. It's very, it's a much better game. It's very much involved. The characters are more fleshed out because of the technology powering them. Mm. They're more emotive and all the rest of it. But there's a very clever conceit. Slight spoilers for this game, if any of you all are interested in playing it, um, where aspects of the game are acknowledging that they are a remake. The villain is actually the villain from the first incarnation. So he knows more what's going on. There are components where they have to fight their fate 
which is basically what is fated for them to happen from the original incarnation. So the fact that it's called Final Fantasy VII Remake is very appropriate. Right. And my point is, and that's a very clever, I didn't quite get a lot of the references, but it's still a very clever idea for a remake, especially one that everyone knows the original so well. I feel like with the remake of Funny Games, that is implicit, where it's almost more divorced from reality. Yeah. Because it's already a remake. Sure. So so I don't know. So that artifice of it, that the increased artifice mm -hmm. is so much more entertaining. Or at the very least, I can derive more entertainment from it because I can rest on that artifice. Yeah. And I don't know if that's Hanukkah's intention. I don't know if he wants me to reflect on why. I can rest on that artifice. But even in the performances, the Michael Pitt is the main killer. He is so much more kind of interestingly charismatic and weird. His performance is more stylized than the original. The original guy is very just sort of sociopathic. Total kind of, cipher. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the the other guy, uh, Peter or Paul, they they right. are very interchangeable. He has like kind of dark circles around his eyes and he sort of talks more kind of more generally unsettling, whereas the one in the original is just kind of there. So there's like a stylization, even to the house in the remake. It's more it's more color corrected. It has more of a bland kind of upper class sheen to it that in the original, they have a very nice house. But it still looks very lived in. You know, it looks very realistic. There's something about, and then Naomi Watts and Tim Roth bringing this kind of Hollywoodized thing. So right. it, I think the remake is infinitely more entertaining of a watch because you're constantly grappling with the meta nature of it. And the meta stuff in the original feels completely like, like it's like salt in the wound. Like it, it mm -hmm. feels like it, it makes what is already terrible that's happening even worse because you're being further kind of um, you're being further antagonized along with the the people. Yeah. So I don't know if that was his intention. His Hanukkah has gone on record saying that his whole he wanted to originally make it in America. His original mm -hmm. Funny Games idea because mm -hmm. of the class disparity or the capitalistic kind of notion of it. Um, and we'll get to Cachet. He's definitely interested in class disparity. Oh man. Um. Uh, he loves like rich people interiors. He loves like interiors. Oh, I, of... well, I mean, that, that that pops up into his films. I'm not sure that loves. Yeah, quite loves. The right he loves word. to show it's, that. Yeah, that that the setting is intrinsic to the the film. I mean, it's it's it, it's it's designed in that way for sure. Yeah, just and it, it's reflective of the characters in key ways and and you know the the themes of the yeah, I get that. But I I know you have no interest now in watching the remake. No, but uh, I, I I but again I see what you mean and I think yeah. just just doing it in Hollywood with known actors he could have come to Hollywood and cast total unknowns. Yeah, but that's not what he did and so obviously there's a reason for that. And yes, as soon as you put you know Naomi Watts on the screen, like you get a history that she has with other films and so on. You. You can sort of see those other films like a prism through her performance. And yeah, that's part of the point. Yes. And and I so my, my, my I'm really curious what, you know, the German audience thought yeah. of the original Funny Games, because I think this is part of where you know, we come to this as a totally foreign audience, you know, 20 some years after the fact. We don't have a history with any of these 
people. <laughs> I mean, I, I've I've seen them in nothing else. You you were saying that you know, the Ulrich, lives of others. Yes, yeah. the lives of others had you know, Ulrich Muhe, um, and and he and um, Susanna Lothar were, were a couple apparently, a real life couple at the time of this filming. So I mean, again, like. Who knows if they were, you know, hot tabloid fodder in Germany, but uh, I have no idea. I mean, if they were, then that adds a layer of knowledge there. Um, but that's that that ends up, I think, you know, making it, as you said, even more disturbing to people who don't have that yeah. sort of extra textual connection. Can I make another weird specific comment on the German language? Too? Sure. Well, I mean. Um, I, I, I'm not, I don't speak German, but what I think is interesting because when you see a shot-for-shot shot remake, and this is one of the weird things about Gus Van Sant's Psycho, is Gus Van Sant makes a lot of very overt, problematic changes, either intentionally or not, that immediately call attention to themselves. So the fact that it's shot-for-shot, shot, and then in the middle of the shower scene, there's a shot of a sheep. You're like, what? Why, do, why is there a sheep? Or storm clouds or something. You're like, what? why are you messing with this? It's almost like he feels like he has to. Um you really pay attention, like, because I, I, Colleen, I've seen the remake of Funny Games several times. Okay. Um, specifically, and this is the first time you watched the German one? Yeah. Specifically the opening. I love the opening of Funny Games. Okay. I know what happens. Yeah. I don't need to know. I don't need to watch the rest of it. I know what happens. But that opening with the eggs, ah. I love it. I love it so much because it's so casual. And it's so like we don't. We'll give you the barest th reasoning for why they could infiltrate this home, and it it makes total sense, and it's horrifying. Um, but when it's in German, the pacing is different. And mm. I'm not saying it's worse or better, but it's like the way people say words because I don't speak German. It feels faster. It feels like the pacing of that scene happens a bit faster. Whereas in the mm. remake. It's more, it feels more drawn out, the, the interactions that she has with, oh, you drop the eggs, oh, you got to do bring back the eggs. So it's like, from an adaptation perspective, and why I would really encourage you to watch it, maybe not the whole thing, um, is these kind of weird differences that you can perceive that kind of immediately change your reaction to the whole material. I, I felt more of an immediacy and a, and a, and a suspense in the German one, whereas in the remake, it's more of a creeping kind of dread feeling. So it's very, it's a very interesting, even the language change affects things. So you're saying you felt less creeping dread for the German version? Right. Well, partially because I knew it was going to happen, but yeah. because things just seem to move quicker. And also the the guy who plays the initial man who comes over mm -hmm. in the remake is more unsettling. He's more overtly unsettling. I found him extremely unsettling. Well, everyone's unsettling, <laughs> yeah, but, um, but but what I th what struck me about that particular scene in in the German version, yeah. which is the one I watched, um, is like the 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 wife, the mom, like f gets creeped out basically at that point. Like she knows oh, we got to shut this whole thing down, and she looks to her husband for support, basically like, get them out of this house, and his instinct is just sort of like is that she's the one being unreasonable? Oh, <laughs> uh, no, he's I mean, just, he's just trying, generally well, confused. He, he tells, but, but, but that's the thing. Yeah. Like, she's not confused. She's not confused at all. And you've yeah. got these two strangers in the house just saying, there's nothing wrong. It just, and, you know, yeah, yeah. she's starting to lose it. And he sides with them over her. 
and tries I don't know to, if he tries, sides with them. Well, I, don't, I think he, he tries doesn't to make... downplay the situation. But that's the thing. He downplays the yeah. situation going. And, and at some point there is a line that they say, I forget which of the, the creeps actually said it. You should have trusted what your wife said. They end up chastising him for not listening to her. Oh, really? Oh, OK. Yes. I missed that. OK. Uh, that's yes. Great. So it is. There's very much this sort of she's starting to lose it and his his most pressing goal is to sort of try to keep up appearances. And she ends up doing the same thing later um, on the dock with the friends in the yeah. boat that come. And like, what is stopping her exactly from just pushing him into the river and, you know, well, they blurting had, he, out what, he, the other what's guy going has on. his kid, her kid. Well, yes, but at the same time, it's, it's, you know, like the secrecy is part of what perpetuates all of this. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's that that is another point where like it, she takes it upon herself to keep up the appearance. And that's how they infiltrate as they're relying and exactly, on exactly the, the they're, they're relying on the previous infiltration yeah. to get them some sort of credential with the next one. And we learn that also at the very end. Yeah. But but it's but it is that moment where like she gets it and he doesn't trust her. And then the whole thing falls apart. And, and, and that comes back it just really like that. That is also, I think, an un underexamined aspect of how this gets out of hand. It's the, just this dismissal of yeah, yeah, of Absolutely. you know, of of women's creep dar. Let's say uh, because it's more accurate than they they're given credit for. Yeah, well, I don't I don't think he necessarily sides, but I do I, with them. But I do think it is this like perpetuation of trying to keep things calm and polite like we don't need to escalate this yeah and like, um, like he's, he's asking her for more of an explanation right. well, what's going on it can't possibly be that bad and it's like don't make me explain this to you just uh, yeah, get yeah. them out yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, just yeah. yeah like there's there will be time to explain once you've kicked them out but yeah but the, the I, I should say though the, the dog is there a dog in the remake yeah yeah okay same exact the thing. dog also susses them out yeah 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 and that's a very horror movie trope yeah Sure. The dog knows more right. initially. The dog has figured it out. Yes. Um, but I, I understand, you know, once you know the thesis, you don't need to watch it. I, I think I, I, I think that's a very interesting perspective. I, I did not take note of them re referencing that back because, again, it is, it is sort of different when you don't necessarily understand German and you're sort of picking it through the subtitles and your, mm -hmm. the performances are different. Yeah. Um, it is, it is a very weirdly kind of uncannily different experience, but I, I think, um, for me, the, the indictment, the thesis, as you put it, um, and the fact that one thing that's an interesting thought is we don't know when they're breaking the fourth wall, are the killers talking to Haneke or are they talking to us? Because there's a sense that they are also winking and nodding like you're you the creator because that that was always the implicit irony of it that i never really understood it's like how dare you hanake by the way critically the the original did far better than the remake people saw the remake and thought why would you, why do, would you this? do this yeah and then american audiences presumably I don't think it like did very well i don't think people rushed out to see the american remake of funny games um but um, the idea like, oh, he's just talking down to us. He's just chastising us. But he is the God in this scenario. He's the one who's making it. So that I never really bought. It's almost like he's also reflecting on him making the scenario in the first place, 
to entertain as being somewhat problematic. The idea of rewinding your own movie, which we can talk about. What did you think of that meta moment? You're like, oh, I guess. At this point, I just wanted it all to be over. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, the other fun nihilistic thing from like a screenwriting perspective, the knife at the end. Ah, uh, yes. The, uh, the, what is the gun? What is the gun expression when you put a gun? Chekhov's gun. Chekhov's gun. So it's mm -hmm. the Chekhov's knife. Uh, that doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. None of it matters, Colleen. Yeah. And you don't you don't like that feeling that none of it matters. No, it's not that none of it's just again like so the review that's posted on RogerEbert.com, yeah. and we'll get back to Roger Ebert, who Roger Ebert actually reviewed Cachet himself, okay. but on his website it's not him, but whoever reviewed it for his website compares it to Andy Warhol's Empire. Have you seen Andy Warhol's no, Empire? No, but I, I know of it. Yeah. Okay, so exactly, and what's the point of Andy Warhol's Empire? Have you heard of Andy Warhol's Empire, Thailand? To, to bask in the Empire State Building. It is eight hours of the Empire State Building. And, and I mean, a, a shot is as long as the reel allows. I think, I think it would be criminal to say that there isn't a ton of craft put into funny games comparatively. <sighs> to manipulate you, to make you feel a certain way. The, the, the willingness to not give up the bit to not let the audience in until like 25 minutes into the movie. Um, I think there is a lot, I think even as a thesis, even if it is manifested as a movie is still infinitely more engaging based on how it is made than, than empire is. Well, I didn't, it, it just, it plays out the thesis. I mean, it, it is really only these couple of, again, like making the overhead car footage reminiscent of OJ Simpson, Again, maybe that's just how you do the overhead car shots. I don't, but I mean, so much of that really recalled that. Um, but the, if the, you were, the, you can't get as emotionally invested in a in an essay about it. You can't get as emotionally invested in the fiction of it. I don't want to get emotionally invested in this movie at all. That's the again. That's why I opened my emails and thought, well, okay, I'm taking this one for the podcast. But there's They're no fine. way I'd ever finish it's a movie. This. They're fine. Everyone's fine. Well, I mean, obviously, it's just a movie, but it's it's this. I just yeah. Eh. I I uh uh. I, mm -mm. Eh. Mm -mm. Nope. Just, just various guttural noises. Yeah. No. As you put it so aptly, not too long ago, in a podcast very much like this one. It is a very, to me, it is a very interesting text. It ex uh, the fact that it exists not only once, but twice. But yes, Chloe, yeah. I think makes it very fascinating. I'm not going to say aside from maybe that opening bit with them coming in. Aside from that, I don't think it's conventionally an entertaining film. No, it isn't. I do think that the remake has more entertainment value in it, and and the balance of the the meta nature of it, the fact that it is a remake. I can get, I can derive more of a smarmy kind of sarcastic enjoyment from it. Because mm -hmm. um, I know Naomi Watts, I know Tim Roth, I know they're probably fine. Whereas with this German family, I'm like, I, good God, I hope you all are okay kind of thing. Um, so, so yeah, I understand your revulsion. Yeah, it's just, yeah. It's, I mean, he obviously is giving this to us because that's what he thinks we want to see. I don't want to see any of this. Like no, he doesn't want to. He doesn't think we want to see it. He's giving us what 
it's it's a it's a reflection on what we are seeing, Colleen. The the fact that we have the television and it's like a that was another one of my favorite bits. There's a television and there's a car spinning, and you have the woman tied up next to the TV. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at the TV. I'm like, man, I wonder what this car <laughs> is. This car going to spin out? What's going to go on with this car? That's the point. The fact that I'm more drawn into the screen within the screen than the scenario at large. Don't you want to be? Don't you want to be, you know, uh, have a conversation with a movie sometimes? Not that movie. Not that conversation. No, exactly. I'm on the other side of the room at that party. Forget it. Is it like a genre thing? Do you think because I just enjoy violence think, and horror I, yeah, movies that I think I'm that's more... Pa- that, that is part of it because okay. I, 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 none of that genre does much for me. Although I do, I do enjoy Tarantino films. <laughs> so I'm wondering like, am I missing some broader point? But I, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's what, what I don't think there's a lot of recognition of in funny games is, you know, the, the, the fantasy escapist element, which I think it's put back in the Hollywood version because you're casting stars again. So you're sort of infusing it with that fantasy a little bit. Yeah. Um, and again, it's hard to suss out what what's that what that's doing for German audiences for these particular actors. But I don't think it's you know these are not like the top box office stars at the time for sure um, in in Germany. But anyway, it's it's that that sort of wish fulfillment side of the violence and and understanding like this is not this is not real. I mean that's that's I mean say whatever else about Tarantino who's you know. A, a separate character who deserves his own conversation with the, all kinds of other problematic caveats and all that. Yes. But I mean, he does this fantasy violence extremely well and right. emphasizes that fantasy again, to the point where I watch that stuff. I don't watch, you know, more conventional horror films and things like that because a lot of it just sort of, you know, I, 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 I don't like that kind of manipulation, but I will sit through, you know, Glorious Bastards, Kill Bill, all that kind of real over the top, putting the genre on its face kind of structural fantasy violence, I guess. There was an interesting piece about funny games in relation to Cabin in the Woods. Have you heard of Cabin in the Woods? I've heard of it. I have not watched it. It is a similar sort of reflection on the genre. Mm -hmm. There's a corporate bureaucracy controlling the horror movie aspects and people are taking bets Mm -hmm. so there is a sense of it but it's more reveling in the tropes Mm -hmm. and it's the the fantasy of those tropes and having fun with referencing all the different tropes and all the different kind of monsters so you know even though maybe it's more it's generally a infinitely more fun movie it's more of a comedy chris hemsworth's in it thor randomly right before he got famous you don't like chris hemsworth He's he's fine. Okay. Wasn't I know, he also I don't know why in, I specified that. Wasn't he also in Ghostbusters? He was the doofy yeah. secretary. But Cabin in the Woods is more interesting because it was before he was Thor. It's right. Thor before Thor. He's like the jock right. of the Cabin in the Woods. But I think that would be maybe in a different version of this. That might be an interesting but again, I don't know if you would get anything out of it because it is it is kind of a meta thing about horror as a as a genre. The idea of the cabin in the woods period. No, but that's the thing. I read about horror. Yeah. And I know, I, I understand, like, from a genre perspective, it does really interesting things. And, and it is used as a commentary on society. Yes. 
that's sort of part of why it's there. And the way that that's structured and all the different tropes, I mean, you know, students have written brilliant papers on these genres. I've read a bunch of the scholarship. It's just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not against it in the world. It's just, that is not my bag. <laughs> I, I am not this demographic and I, I can't explain exactly why it's not my demographic, but it's not my demographic. I mean, uh, you know. I, I, it's, it's, that's what I mean. Like with funny games, it's another one of those films that I can read what this is about. Okay. Okay. Haneke, like you, you have your thing, you're going to do it and you're going to do it again in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. For some I think reason. it's worth checking out just for the different killer. Michael Pitt is doing some really weird stuff with his kind of smarmy performance, but that is your prerogative. I've already made you watch one of these things. Yep. I apologize. And I did get to the end. You got to the end. I did. Very satisfying ending. Everyone makes it. It's beautiful. Mm. It's a joyful experience. Um, I must have I, seen a pirated version. I referred to this when I said Cosmopolis, but it, I think it's a very singular cinematic experience. The idea of being kind of pushed at by a director. Yeah, but it's you say singular experience, then he remade it. But in it remaking isn't. it, it's even more singular because it's a weird, it's even more weirdly <laughs> meta when you have that the 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 Hollywood and the, the remake kind of shell over it. It becomes something else. Okay. I'll take your word for it. Take my word for it. Okay. Um I don't know if I'm if I'm making any sense, but I, I do find something entertaining yeah, okay. and interesting about these. And I think that any cinephile who is interesting in deconstructing cinematic violence and enjoys to be kind of chastised slightly would enjoy funny games. I don't think it's enjoyment. And quote unquote enjoy. Yes. But I think, but you've already said like you, you have to have enjoyment baked into the experience, right? This, this was your whole thing on the souvenir. You didn't enjoy it, and therefore, right. like, there's on, there's a level on which it fails. Right, and I do think that at least twenty minutes of of funny games I enjoy unequivocally, or let's say forty five <sighs> minutes, and then the the other more disturbing stuff I I can kind of avert my eyes. <sighs> I just, which I, I understand is also a, a cowardly. <laughs> cowardly thing to do the equivalent yeah. of, of checking your phone in no, the middle. I mean, as okay, as soon as. The, the the woman of the house is ignored in that way and bad stuff starts happening. I'm out. None of this is enjoyable anymore. Okay. Well, that's, I don't, that's I, it. Like, like even, even the point where like, there's that revenge, there is that moment where it's like, Oh, revenge. Like this can't possibly last. And sure enough, there's the rewind. Okay. It didn't last. This is, the, that was the trial run. Yeah. This is going I mean, for the that, Olympic that, that is, but, but that, what that underscores is like, that is where the enjoyment is supposed to come from enacting violence on others. And and that is what the tropes dictate. And she's praying to God for that to happen. Basically. And and give and, me a moment yeah. to do a thing. Yeah. But it's it's yeah, but like that this is not how actual violence is done. And there are these nods to you know sort of how actual violence could be perpetrated. You don't think that there's true evil in this world? Of course there is. Okay. Speaking and of And it which, starts when you don't listen to your wife, Wickham. That's, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> I mean these guys seem very nice. I don't. I think they were oh, fine. God. I don't understand what the issue is. Barricade um, the doors. Barricade the doors. Find the dog. Um, keep track of the dog. Yeah, um, keep it indoors. Keep your golf clubs way inside the house. Well, yeah, well, let's not get into just golf as a concept either. That's, that's environmental <laughs> violence on an entirely different speaking level. Speaking of true evil, yeah, let's talk about cachet. cachet. 
Ah, you mean you mean colonialism? Colonialism, yes. That's the, the truest that's, of evils. Oof, oof. That's pretty. That, if that is not the truth, that is darn close. To yes, the and I truth. did not know that that's what this film was okay. trading in. So you went into cachet kind of cold, basically. I knew the premise. I knew that they were being sent videos, and I think yeah. that I think that there is a whole there's a whole cottage industry of movies that have either because Lost Highway is actually has that exact premise pretty much. Lost Highway is more dreamlike, and there's more of people turning into other people, and it doesn't make any sense as you would expect. <laughs> um, well. But it one of the inherent things is he finds I want I don't know if it's in a bag, but he he gets a tape on his front door and he plays it, and it's the front of their house. Mm -hmm. And without going into spoilers, not that it would spoil anything anyway, because it doesn't make any sense. You realize it is him reincarnated from a younger man. Just bear with me. Something like that. It's been a while since I've seen it. Who's putting his own footage of his own house on the front of the door. And you're like, okay, here's my, here's my, the colonialism angle is one thing. And we can all, we can all talk about colonialism for days. Um, who is sending the tapes, Colleen? Is that really the point of the movie, Wickham? I think that's, I think that is the, I think that's fascinating. <laughs> I don't think it is the point. No. And I think that's why it's the most interesting component of it. Because yeah. I think, you know, we talk about, you know, Hitchcock or Tarantino. Mm -hmm. They will put themselves in their movies. Mm -hmm. But I have never felt Haneke's presence more in either of these two films. Um, or both of these. Like, he, he is, he is in these movies. Mm -hmm. He is a crucial character in Funny Games and mm -hmm. in this. Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. And I think that is very cool. And I, I yeah. don't know, I don't know his other films, you know, maybe he's more detached. I've heard that he he's more, you know, he's not, uh, he's not inserting himself, but that meta aspect of he's sending the tapes. It, it's him. <laughs> it's Haneke mm -hmm. himself is yeah. sending these tapes. And to yeah. be clear, these tapes are of the front of their house. The front of their house, yeah. which is a very, very, very nice house. Yes, that, yes. they is um, Daniel Otoy and Juliette Binoche. As, um, Where have I seen him before? Daniel Otoy is, oh man. He looked um, very familiar. Yes, he should. Um, French Cinema Institution. He This would have been sort of towards, I would say, I would argue the end of his peak career. Okay. Um, but yeah, you've seen him in other stuff, for sure. Um, long and illustrious career. He did a lot of period stuff when that was sort of the thing in big French export okay. cinema. Um, and of course, Binoche is a yeah, giant yeah. I, global I know. star. I um, but, but yeah, I mean, so... He he's he's getting the best in there, um, yeah. Film in the front of their Tony upper bourgeois apartment, and you know, casually some papers with children uh, vomiting blood on really them. disturbing. <laughs> yes, childlike drawings that involve people spitting up blood, and that that ends up coming into the plot quite a bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, the real point of the film is less these videos than the reaction that it provokes, particularly with um, Daniel Otoy, who is the George character. I guess it's always some variation on George and Anne or Anna in these in these films. And so this is the the, the central couple here is the uh, George and Anne. And you know the Otoy is is really the focus of this and and just how he reacts to these videos, which which also end up implicating his childhood home. Right. 
And that's sort of where we get into the history. And him. And, yeah. and him personally. And this but is where he, colonialism comes in. With the yeah. Algerian adopted son. Yes. And this is where um, I'm going to go on my... Um, on my lecture is notes. Final Fantasy coming this is, in? No. no. Oh. This is this this is a much sadder story. Yes. And and really tragic. I mean, what what's um what I find really striking about this movie is that Haneke found really just the perfect narrative linchpin in French history for the kind of story that he's telling. And that's gonna come up again in just a minute, but I'm gonna tell that, that you know the story of this story first. Um, Otoy at some point, like right around about the midpoint goes into this and October 17th, 1961, yes. right? What he describes is actually what happened. Like you look it up on Wikipedia, you get exactly the same account. 30,000 Algerians demonstrating um, in Paris to end the Algerian war, which is one of the probably the bloodiest war of decolonization that France had. It was very contentious. It's often compared in American history to the war in Vietnam, which, hmm. you know, in terms of its, I mean, it's the same moment in the 20th century, roughly, um, that there's also sort of decolonial vibes coming from the Vietnam War, but it is sort of the trauma that it inflicts on the culture has been compared um, by you know, very prominent historians. Benjamin Stora is one of them. He has a whole book that compares Algerian war films to Vietnam War films and sort of the thematics that get into it. So, when I mean, there's these... a lot of literature that, that does exactly this. When are these Algerian war films coming out? Um, well, the Right around the time of the Algerian War itself, but but, but especially then, like the sixties, you know, I mean, when the new wave, the French new wave, like happened. Apocalypse Now variants, or like uh, Apocalypse like, Now is a bit later, but the, the Algerian like, War, like reflecting on it and like the the nightmare that it was. Well, there would way. be some after the fact, um, but uh, but I mean, it's it's yeah, I mean, Stora was writing, I believe, at the end of the nineties, um, and it's been a while since I checked on the book. Um, but, uh, but anyways, yes, there have been Algerian war kind of films looking at it in retrospect ever since the Algerian war itself, which ran from, I think, 58 to 62, okay. uh, for maybe 55. Um, I think it was a little longer than that. 55 to 62 seems about right. So, but in, in either case, 1961, when this massacre happened, we're, we're nearing the end of the war already. You've got this major demonstration in the French capital against the war, uh, the 30,000 Algerians, you know, were called in. And yeah, the the chief of police in Paris at the time, who is a convicted, was a convicted war criminal later in life. In the 90s, he was convicted for uh, crimes against humanity from World War II. Something else. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Going back to World War II and the deportation of Jews from Bordeaux. Oh, jeez. So this guy had a history, but still he's the chief of police of Paris in 1961. So already there's a whole lot of, you know, implications of that particular career trajectory for this guy who I'm not going to name. Um, of course, he sent the cops after the after the protesters and, and a bunch of people ended up murdered, yeah. either you know shot, thrown into the Seine or, or both. And and it was just completely covered over. I mean, the establishment did not acknowledge that this is what had happened. For a very long time. Hidden. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we get to the title. There's this, this, I mean, we're Americans, Wickham, and we're Americans in we the 20, are. yeah, in the 21st century and, you know, mass casualty events. Yeah. It's, it's a day that ends in Y, but I mean, for France in the 1960s to have something of this magnitude happen and to have it just be so successfully suppressed for so, for so long. It's 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 really it is this kind of trauma that is very very actively suppressed. So 
in the 90s, again, and you can sort of see where Haneke's getting the inspiration for the screenplay, late 90s, 97, 98, the French government finally comes out and acknowledges, okay, this massacre happened. They take responsibility for 40 deaths, about 40. Um, but historians say that at least 200 and probably closer to 300 people were actually killed. So there's this this whole gulf of just people who were disappeared, effectively. And, and that's what, and coming back to the film, this is what happens to... Uh, a, a set of parents who are farm laborers on you know, Daniel Otoy's parents' farm somewhere out in the provinces. And so the, these two parents, Algerians who are farm laborers, disappeared in this massacre, uh, leave behind the son who's about his age. And he is apparently an only child, doesn't want anything to do with this kid. The parents you know, formally adopt him, apparently. And, you know, Otoy, at the age of six, goes on this you know, terror campaign against this adoptive Algerian brother and eventually successfully, you know, manages to get him picked up by social workers right. in, a, in, in a shot that we see towards the end of the film. In a very, um, in very cachet fashion. Yes. Yeah. These kind and, of flat shots. And that is also in Funny Games, the living room, the sort of. This frame within a frame that is, yeah. Well, just well, just like a flat, wide shot speaking volumes. Like sure. The, in, in the 10 minute shot in Funny Games. And yes. There's several in cachet. A lot. Of, yeah. This kind of weird, it's it's sort of, uh, Fincher is a weird point of comparison, but it's like this kind of uh, acknowledged detachment. Yeah. Yeah. That is very unsettling. Yeah. But that that is a very interesting thing because it is focused around him and mm -hmm. his sort of weird anger because he thinks that they're terrorizing him but then he comes across as this big kind of french bully oh which which is obviously yeah. reflective of the period right which period uh, that you just described the, the, the 60s yes yeah. the, the the kind of bullying but what i think is interesting is when he when he sort of says what actually happened and he's a six-year-old kid and he's he's bigoted or whatever at the age of six and he's jealous and he's like saying oh i said that he was coughing up blood but then they didn't find anything but then um, he, I made him chop the head off a rooster, which came back in some big way. And so when he puts it like that mm -hmm. and understand with all these dreams and everything, it comes across like he is wrestling with the guilt of this, mm -hmm. but it, it, he didn't do that much. And then you sort of realize it's the parents when you see that adoption scene, how much they're willing to give credence to their six-year-old kid who's saying these things, uh -huh. how they are willing to, out of like an earnest, you know, quote unquote, earnest generosity, they want to adopt him, but then just as quickly want to abandon him. Yeah. It, he does not, you know, he, he doesn't react well, but he does not come across quite as it is. Again, it's more about revealing what is, what is hidden, what he can't acknowledge, mm -hmm. what the, the parents can't acknowledge yeah, and he sure. and him not wanting to reconcile with that guilt like the the son coming in at the end and going like i wanted to see what it's like to have this on your conscience and he's just he's just being brash and assertive and he then goes home and has a nice nap oh uh, toy does yeah. yeah yeah no i mean th this this really raises um the question of thematics thinking about funny games again yeah. and and the question of who is heard and what is the reaction to what is spoken? In cachet, we get that kind of thing, like who's heard, whose who's speech provokes reaction in a productive way. 
Um, because, but, but in cachet, there's a whole lot of, of underscoring of sort of barred response. So yeah. th- this family goes to the police with the videos and the drawings and the police basically just shrug their shoulder. We can't do anything like unless unless it escalates, oops, unless it escalates, our hands are tied. Like that's that's the whole story. Um and so there's that sort of, uh, but but the thing is, is when he it, it takes Daniel Otoy like confronting this this estranged adoptive brother who he assumes is the one sending sending these these tapes, although he 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 denies it very convincingly. His yeah. wife is convinced that um, this guy's innocent. And she says, "Oh, yeah, it's but then it's like why why is there a tape in his house? But why why is there a tape at the house and and, and all that? So I mean, it's and that's Hanukkah. Well, it's 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 Hanukkah, but but also. <sighs> And we get to the very end. We get a lot of these shots, like you said, of, of Haneke just showing us something and not really guiding our gaze so much. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the shot at the end that's sort of the flashback to um, when the adoptive brother is hauled off by the social services people. Um, that's, I mean, we know what we're watching at that point. Ugh. We're watching it at a really you know, heart-rending yeah. distance. Um, and, it's and, horrifying. Yeah, it is. It's horrifying. And it's, pro, it's very protracted and all this. Um, but the very last shot... Mm-hmm. The very last shot, where you see, like, there's the sun, and the son has his own problems. You know, these the Daniel Otoy and Juliette Binoche have a 12 year old son who has his own problems with them. Like, there's stuff that they're not telling him about the father's past. You know, he's not telling them where he's going after school. There's a point where he disappears for overnight, I guess. And they're abs- that's when they go to the police and basically accuse this yes. estranged brother of kidnapping. And again, like that's the escalation that the police need to enter into this confrontation. But it turns out he wasn't kidnapped at all. I mean, that's that the film comes right. He's not kidnapped. He was at somebody else's house. But, you know, it's that. Can I can I comment yeah. on that moment yeah, for a yeah. second? And this is totally divorced from the 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 political stuff. And I'm going to go back to the meta stuff for a second. Because mm-hmm. we see Juliette Binoche. Yeah. She has something hidden, perhaps, where she is hanging out with the other guy. Yeah. And she's very emotional and they have kind of a cuddle and he like kisses her on the palm and you watch mm-hmm. that and you're like, okay, they seem a little chummy. <laughs> um, and then the son references that. Yes. Why don't you go off and tell Pierre? And I was thinking and... like, when would he have ever seen it's to when would the son have had any knowledge of this or been suspicious about it? He was not suspicious about it for the entire before. It, this is my theory. Colleen, it's like he watched the movie with us. The kid. The kid. The framing of Juliette Binoche and that, uh, uh, I guess, author that she's publishing, Mm -hmm. I forget. Um, It's like the kid is now aware of something else that is hidden by virtue of what is filmed. I understand that there's no precedence. He doesn't say, I watched a tape that someone delivered to me. There's no acknowledgement of how the kid knows this. But to me... It is a weirdly meta moment where I'm like, wait, how would the kid know? What does this have to do with anything? But except for maybe she having secrets of her own, similar to her husband. Or yeah. But what do you think of my bizarre fan theory that everyone has a hidden videotape, basically, or a videotape that reveals something hidden, and people can watch it, and because that that's reflected in uh, Julie Pinoche when she sees the tape of inside the apartment when he says, oh, I went there, there was nothing, it was a storeroom. Mm-hmm. And then you get the tape of the scene. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. And, but yeah, so there's so much that he is not telling her, the, right. the husband is is deliberately leaving things out. And I mean, with him, it's it's a very predictable cycle 
Like, cause first it's just dismissal. Yes. Oh, I, I, yeah, I said some stupid stuff about this kid. I was six years yeah. old. How could I possibly remember? I, I, I think I know who it is, but I don't uh, want to yeah, tell you. I don't and then, and then, you know, the next phase is, okay, here's exactly what yes. happened and here's what I did. And of course I'm I, sorry. You know, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. And then at the end, the, the son confronts him at his workplace. There are witnesses yes. to this. And he doesn't tell her anything there either. I mean, the the whole first instinct is like dismiss or hide or. Which is I mean, kind of going back to the funny games idea of of just dismissing the outward weirdness of it and trying to kind of go along with your day. Yeah. Yes. But but of course, like it, in in Otoy's case, like the stuff that he's dismissing is reflective of broad cultural trends. Yes, that's I mean, true. That's he true. is the stand-in for France. Right. And there are accessories to this, in, like as Juliette Binoche. I mean, she's, you know, just sort of like, what? Why? Why would you hide this from me? Like, you, can't we talk about this? Yeah. And she's, of course, finding somebody else to talk to, which is this Pierre. And and I mean, I think. What do you think of my weird? Meta... Well, well, I, mean, I think. I think. I think that's one way to put it. But I think you're limiting. You're you're limiting the purview to the film itself in that case because we see the this guy Pierre and his wife. Um, who's played by um, Zoe from um, Irma Vep. I oh. can't remember her act, the, the actress's name. She looked but I, Yes. So that's anyway. why she looked familiar. Anyway, like that's, anyway, that was his wife, I believe, in uh, one of the dinner party scenes. But she's, she's there. She's, they've been around. They're, yeah. they're obviously like as, you know, they're All couple friends. friends. Yeah. 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 Um, and so it's perfectly possible that he picks up something, you know, he sees them alone in the kitchen. He, yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? Like they, kids pick up vibes i mean that's yeah this is this is also but this is also part of this film is that is that you've got you know oto and of course his parents generation which as you point out are very you know complicit with yes. all of this colonial ugliness. and she doesn't want to remember it the and mom this, she doesn't yes want to talk yes about this, it. this 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 history that gets really actively suppressed is that generation doing most of the active repression Otoy's generation is complicit with the older generation and has their own very selfish and very sort of the reasons are very selfish and this is a very conflicted expression of this repression. It sort of it comes out, it goes it goes away again. They're going to talk about it, but they don't want to really talk about it. It just it, or it's... they talk about it, and conveniently within the frame, you see the television of the real world. Yeah, in, and so you're like, oh yeah, I guess none of this colonialist violence right, right. and even more stuff going on, which is a, an absolutely brilliant insert oh, yeah. on Haneke's part. And of course, that's the thumbnail that's on Mubi at the moment for Cachet is the the shot of them. Binoche is upset, and and he's. I, I can't remember what he's doing, but the TV is right there in the center of the Funny frame. Funny Games has that as well. Yes. Yeah. And so, yes, there is this theme of the intrusion of of actual media and yeah. and sort of giving us the real message ultimately. And that's that I think is the midpoint of the film, if I'm not mistaken. Um, that's when Pierre also, or the, the son also disappears. Yeah. Um, Pierrot. Yeah. Pierre. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Is it Pierrot? And then Pierre is the, oh God, and then Pierre is the friend, isn't it? I'm getting the I'm getting the names. It's okay. Needs... I know who you're talking about. Yes. No. Hanukkah needs to find different names <laughs> for, for people. Um anyway, yeah, it's it's cool. It's, it's yeah. I mean, this is really I mean, to me, this is really a, a, a mass it is, it's a <laughs> That's master, my review. It's a masterpiece it's cool. of form. Yeah. Um that is that I mean, th and this is where we get to Ebert. I mean, Ebert's review yeah. is basically a whole bunch of theories on who's taking the video like he yeah, like yeah. he is doing this deep dive. if it's this person then here's how it is and if it's this person and this and this and this and it's just like raj all right <laughs> like you're, you're you're on one plane to this but the whole point of it is 
who's doing it doesn't really matter. It really does. I mean, it is it is the pattern of Otoy's reactions to this and the hypocrisy that's inherent in all of this. And then finally, in the final shot, you've got uh, the first time we see this is a, a shot of outside the the son's school. Right. Right. Did, did, or am I supposed to pick up on anything? Because a yes. lot of these. Well, a lot of these. I was going to ask, did you pick up on anything in this shot? Well, a lot of the longer shots, you know, are for yeah. introspective purposes, like in yeah. funny games, where you're supposed to be just kind of reflecting on your own life and all the rest of it. Um, what did I, was there an alien or like? No, it's well, no. Well, so it's set up in the dialogue, right? Because this is you know, Georges very um, Otoy take you know very. You know, has this inter this you know yeah. this interaction with the 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 the, the bro- estranged brother's son at his workplace, goes home, just tells his wife that he's home from work, and takes a nap, take and uh, takes a couple of sleeping pills, and closes himself off in a dark room, pulls the curtains, and goes to sleep. And that's, I guess, that's the indictment right there in a nutshell. But he he asks. Um, his wife on the phone, like, so when is when is he coming home from school? When is our son coming home from school? And so he, that sort of sets up the next shot, which is the school. And it's like, okay, the sun. Well, the, is, eventually, we see the sun there. It, the, it's the next shot is the really, guy being taken away, the the child being taken away, and then it cuts to the school. The child being taken away. I want to say. Oh yes, yes. Yeah. It okay, and then so eventually it's almost we like get a to dream this, or yes, remembering exactly. Yeah. So it's yes, it could be some sort of reverie or memory or something, but it's it's yeah. Oh, so you're right. There's that first, and then we cut to the school. Yeah. So anyway, we we managed to keep this in our minds. Like okay, this is the kid's school, and eventually he does come out, and who else is there, but the estranged brother's son. And it's oh. hard to tell that this is what's going on because everybody is at such a distance. I mean, this this camera is set up like across oh, the street. Cool. Yes. And they interact with one another. Like the the estranged son, you know, waves Pierre down and they talk and they're they're, you know, just chatting, laughing, like like having a laugh over something. Obviously they know each other. And so there is this implication, like, not only that this generation is talking to one another. Like having actual human relationships, but they might be in cahoots for oh. actually doing these videos oh. themselves. I mean, to what purpose? Who knows? But oh, but per, there is uh, this. Perot is into very, Eminem. Yeah, uh, I don't, I'm trying to think of the mise en scene of his. <laughs> yeah, the, his room has all these posters, Matrix. and yes, there's the Matrix kind of embedded in the back there, and Mickey Mouse shows up in Funny Games. No, oh, yeah, well. Um. <laughs> them or you don't have to think about yeah, that no yeah I, i'm done thinking about that <laughs> but uh but yeah so i mean they're 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 shown on camera together we don't hear what they're saying we see them oh, to- we see if we catch them we see them together just sort of buried in one corner of the frame and it's left without any further explanation the credits roll over the rest of this shot It'd after very both of them leave the frame to know what they'd be laughing about no um, but it's 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 just that's the final mystery i mean it, it does sort of implicate that either one or both of them is involved in this whole play of things but you know pierrot can't have known about this like at least he doesn't know about any of this from his father he may if how did he meet this guy who knows like there's there's so much of this backstory that we we don't know and again like is, he is could irrelevant have intentionally to the big point. hidden himself to oh, make yeah. them think that he was kidnapped yeah i mean yeah or 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 he was you know off with this i mean who knows but again, it, doesn't so much, it doesn't matter it doesn't matter it doesn't matter this this is about france reckoning with its colonial I past i need to rewatch that i'm gonna watch it in yeah the so what i learned from this ebert review of cachet 
uh-huh. is uh, that Martin Scorsese has apparently optioned a remake of Cachet. When it came out or many years it, after the, this, the, uh, the review dates to its initial release, so okay. mid-2000s, 2005, 2006. So, well, yeah, I, I don't think that has happened. I don't know if he even still owns the rights, yeah. but if Martin Scorsese were here now... What would we say? You know, Marty, here's our idea. What would we do? Because here's the thing. You can't just redo cachet in the French context. No, 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 of course not. I mean, and I would I can't imagine that was what he wanted to do. I mean, which just wouldn't make sense. Again, you're not really like I guess if you're an American in France, maybe you could No, but do... no, but that doesn't no, it just my it's bet is he had something in his mind. Yes. To, I mean, yes, I mean, I'm not even talking about casting, but like, what is the event that you put at the center of this? Because the thing about October 17th, 1961 is it is a singular event that yes. happened, mass casualty event, but it, it encapsulates this gigantic, multi-tentacled, durable social problem yes. that has an effect Obviously, you know, half a century and even today, I mean, the, the effects are still being felt, even though the, the French government has been more open about this. And just generally, there is a bit more of an open reckoning. You know, generations have passed since then. There's a somewhat more open reckoning with a colonial past. Right. Is it where it should be? Obviously not. But I mean, what would you do in the U.S.? context that could accomplish the same thing in terms of a narrative like there's this one thing that happens that you know gets it something bigger i mean it would either have to be civil rights okay i got we, one you got one yes um this is something that i feel like is thrown under the rug hmm. um it is world war ii so it's a bit older um and I, I'm not super well-versed in this. And frankly, I don't feel particularly comfortable answering this. Uh, I don't know how comfortable Scorsese is in terms of having his finger on the pulse of the thing that everything's being, of what is being covered up, that need, what is hidden that should be unhidden. But I've always been sort of fascinated by how quickly the Japanese internment camps, camps yeah. in the United States were sort of brushed under the rug. Yeah. That's not a single event, though. I mean, no, it that, is that, not a single yeah, event. That, that is a cultural horror, and they're also reckoning with this. Apparently, they've they've built um, um, a, vi a visitation kind of center for um, the Japanese internment camps. My parents just went. We haven't we haven't unpacked like this. a museum. Well, yeah, you can visit the internment camps. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so I mean, America is making baby steps with this as well. Like, so the internment well, it's camps. Only, are, you know, eighty I, years I later mean, or something. Better late than never. Um, you know, there's the lynching museum, which I don't know if you've seen yeah. photos of that. That, but I mean, architecturally, it's a marvel. I can't imagine. The, the actual feelings of going through there. But again, like lynchings were regular occurrences. Right. I mean, you could, you could pick any sort of mass lynching and have it be about this, but that's not something that sort of resonates, you know, I mean, Paris is the national capital. It's got all this symbolic value. It's this one gonna, conflict that, yeah. So um, what I think, and again, like this would not have obviously been on Scorsese's mind in 2005, 2006, but uh, the insurrection of January 6th, would make a fantastic linchpin for an American cachet. Because you have the same, again, if, if my my angle on this is that what we really need to pay attention to is, you know, Daniel Otoy's reaction to things. 
um, and sort of how that reaction shifts over the course of the film and depending on who he's talking to and you know how forthcoming he is with these kinds of details and what he's hiding and when he's not hiding it anymore and you know who pushes him into this and you know who's just sort of left out of the loop and you know who's left um, sort of outside the circle of extreme white male privilege that that is clearly there at all times for him. I, I, you could do the insurrection. My God, it's it's the same sort of denial. It wasn't a big thing. Okay, it was a big thing, but I'm not responsible for it. Here are the people who are responsible for it. The more that comes out about that, this is the insurrection on the Capitol, right, from last yeah. year, um, or just before Biden's inauguration. Um, I think that, because again, like it's it's a single event, not quite as mass casualty. There, there, were, there were deaths involved. Could have been a lot worse. It wasn't. Um, but uh, yeah, in terms of just sort of a whole cultural sickness sort of coming to a head and exploding in and rather trying to bury it, yeah, yes, exactly. And this, this, this at the same time, sort of haphazard but very systematic sort of cover up and this digging up of inf information, hmm. it would it would make a really interesting. Uh, I mean, you can't do the generational thing again because not enough time has passed, but you right. could do a very similar sort of structural conflict in there. Do you know about, uh, what was it? Was it, it was another sixth that Watchmen, the TV show, put a yes. spotlight on. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I, I feel very that, ironic uh, in, that in I have in forgotten Oklahoma. what, what yeah. it was. Oklahoma? Yes. Yeah, it was in Oklahoma. Um, yes. Was it January? It was a was a it was a sixth date that is being now commemorated, right? It is, yeah, yeah. Well, we, we should probably remember this. This was the this well, is part yeah, of the problem. It was the, yeah, exactly. It was the. It, but you're right. It was the start of um, Lindelhoff's Watchmen series. Yes. Um, but he did a great job with that. I have to say. I mean, I I am on record. I have published my thoughts on on Watchmen and and that use of but that, that particular that kind event of, in history. That mass exodus of african-americans from a town and sure. violence and yeah um, yeah that, no you're right that's another good one it's a very singular event that is representative of something bigger that has the mass mass casualties and, and watchman does a good job yeah of yeah setting and, and the, the literal burying of, of the evidence and the evidence is now coming to light with with in part yeah. because watchman dealt yeah yeah with it. exactly yeah and i feel i wonder how much cachet in in terms of revealing what is hidden uh, did something similar for a whole generation of people. Maybe I, yeah. like the son, you know, Maybe. the son is now aware of the crimes of the father. Yeah, kind of. and not from the father himself, which just adds to the sense the of The crimes of the father's father and the father. Uh, well, yeah. yeah. There's just the cultural heritage that you're left with. And how do you reckon with this? I mean, and that's a universal question. I mean, every every culture has a bloody history. But the the the, I did the, spe not, the specifics are different. I did not know that this movie was trading in that. And you so, didn't? No. Okay. I thought it was going to be a um, Hitchcockian sort of premise that was going to go in various directions. But that was nicely compared to Funny Games. Uh, it was nicely sort of mature and and grounded and uh, introspective in a less, for lack of a better phrase, less smarmy way than funny games is it was it felt more of like a genuine kind of earnest attempt to point out some of this hypocrisy and this this stuff from the past and so that was a nice surprise because my impression having just seen funny games we were just talking about how we need to see more earnest Haneke's uh, amour and things of that nature mm -hmm. we are still relatively ignorant um 
but uh, I'm speak. I guess I'll speak for myself. I'm still relatively ignorant, but I think um, cachet is a nice, interesting blend of the kind of meta, uh, you know, meditations on media and 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 then kind of bringing in this nicely, kind of uh, very um, important subject matter and bringing that to light. Because yeah, I was not I was not aware of it. I, you know. Yeah. Not. Yeah, but it's possible it. to watch this film with absolutely no background in it and just the form of it. And the sort of the Hitchcockian nature of the suspense. Yeah, draws and the you in. yeah, obviously if Roger Ebert is just spending his entire review, you know, working through the who done it. <laughs> but yeah, it doesn't it doesn't matter. And does, and, no. and, and I kinda like that because it, it almost feels like Haneke is is the Deus Ex Machina mm-hmm. making this thing that's hidden come to light. So yeah. it is mm-hmm. reflective on the power of cinema in that yeah. way. Yeah. And Funny Games is doing that too, to a certain extent. But mm. I know you don't want to talk about that movie anymore. It can stay hidden. I'm okay with that. <laughs> you didn't laugh once during Funny Games, did you? No. It's funny, the games that they no. play. Everyone's fine, okay? Everything worked out. Cachet, not the case. Not, well, this is this is also the case. And I am somehow... Yeah. It's, so it's, is... And this can be my final, I guess my final last question here. Is that intersection with reality thereby make the artifice of some of its meta qualities infinitely more compelling. And the reason why funny games doesn't work is you can't help but see the machinations of what it's trying to do on its own terms. If that, if that question made any sense. I, yeah, I I do appreciate that it is very openly reckoning with history. Yes. writ, writ, Writ large through a very particular event and yet finding a way to take the repercussions of an event and yeah. make that the thrust of the narrative. I mean, it's just, it's brilliantly put together yeah. in that sense. And it just it operates on all of these cylinders and you can still, again, you can, you can know nothing about French history and still get something out of the experience of watching cachet. Whereas I think with funny games, it's just, if you are honestly taking pleasure in what that is and not, it never somehow never occurs to you that he's just messing with you. Just, ugh. No, I, I, I can't abide this mentally. There's just there's you, a total you block. You can't on abide this. it. No, the dude will not abide. No, okay. don't bring the dude into this. I'm sorry. What if the dude showed up in Funny Games? Oh. I, I always like these hypothetical questions. Um, I do appreciate you watching it. I appreciate you recommending uh, Cachet very yeah. much. Good episode. Well, we we don't we, know. We have not seen the dailies on this. Oh, well, we, we've lived up to the title at least. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. We have. Yeah. Good point. Always nice when we do that. That is our episode. You made me watch that as a production of the Department of Communication and Design at Buchanan University. You can support the podcast by subscribing with your favorite audio app and by following the Buchanan Cinema Society on Instagram at Buchanan Cinema, all one word. Our cover art was designed by Denis Vaditongurj. Our theme music was composed by Dazi Ozovsky, who you can follow on Instagram and Spotify. And make sure to check out his latest release, Uzakulke. This episode was produced by Tylan Akul and the Bilkent Cinema Society with extra tachecular to our tech wrangler, Uzjan Akar. Now over to Wickham for this episode's special thanks. I do want to give special thanks back to my regularly scheduled programming to David Lynch, because I do, I am curious how much Haneke lifted from Lost Highway. Did he take that premise of who is sending the tapes, the idea of being observed, the idea of this meta media in your movie, and run with it into a direction that he was more personally connected? That would be the interview 
that I would want to read, we need to research that because I think that there may be some writing on that. Okay. We'll put him on speed dial right after Scorsese. Haneke? Scorsese. Scorsese. Okay, we got to get him to... Have you seen a photo of Haneke? Yeah. He's an intense looking guy. He sure is. <laughs> Based on these movies, it's not that surprising. Thank you, Wickham. Thank you.